predictions, pundits, and irony. Um, while I'm not a huge fan of predictions or pundits who tend to make the predictions, I do love irony. So on that note, I'll now put on my pundit hat and make a few predictions. Side note, it is February 9th. So I do have more than a 112th advantage when it comes to making predictions for the year. And I've really got with one Bank of Canada meeting behind us already, I've got a 1/8 advantage uh, as far as predicting prime, which I will do. So short version, long version. Here we go. The short version, prediction number one, a record number of Canadians will lock in to fixed rate mortgages this year, driven by fear. Prediction number two, Banks will report record earnings yet again. Uh, how can I say that? Well, you know, refer to prediction number one. Prediction number three regarding Prime. What's the Bank of Canada going to do? My prediction is this, a net zero increase by year end. Maybe the Bank of Canada goes up a little. Maybe they go up a point. Maybe they come back down. We'll see how far off I am come the end of the year. It's only seven more meetings to go. Prediction number four, by the end of 2022, the few remaining Canadian banks outside the broker channel will either be in it or aggressively working on getting into it. I see that. I see that in our future. Prediction number five relates to prediction number four. 2022 broker share will exceed 40% of the market, the market which has grown at this point to about 600 billion. So I believe we will see broker market share crack 40% this year. The following year, I think we could close in on 50%. I see it. This is the short version. Prediction number six, 35% down payment on investor properties. You want to buy a, a single door, a duplex, a triplex, a fourplex, uh, you're, you're going to be forced to put 35% down. That's where we're headed. Prediction number seven, by 2026, Canada's population will have grown by another 4 million people. That's my final prediction. All right, the long version. Here's the long version of the predictions for 2022. Prediction number one, a record number of Canadians will lock into fixed rate mortgages this year and subsequently regret locking in to said fixed rate mortgages because, well, basic math, there's that. And more than anything, because of prepayment penalties they didn't expect that weren't explained to them, et cetera. Penalties, which of course, it's a broker's job to understand and articulate clearly. But a lot of times when a client picks up the phone and calls a lender directly to lock in, it's not like the lender is having a penalty conversation with them. They're not explaining that the penalty could go up by 900% and clients aren't thinking about penalties really ever until they trigger them. And you know, for clients, it's very important for them to understand where they get the money from. Where they get the money from matters an awful lot when the unexpected occurs. What one lender will do and another lender will not do, uh, i.e. giving you the money, well, it, 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 there's a bit just as wide of a variation as to what one will do and another will do when you want to prepay the money back early. So again, an expert broker is going to work through exit strategies, right? They're going to begin with the ending in mind because while getting into a mortgage has never been as difficult as it is in recorded history uh, as it is today, getting out of a mortgage early can well and truly 
be a painful experience. Just ask a recent big bank client, 13 months into a 1.78 five-year fixed mortgage, they are paying a 7% of balance penalty. Big bank, A lending, five-year fixed, 1.78, hallelujah, 50-year record low, what could go wrong? A 7% of balance penalty. Effectively, that client has paid an 8.78% annual interest rate, right? How, why? Short answer, fear-based decision-making. I mean, why would anyone go fixed in 2020, 2021? It makes no sense. Longer answer. Do people lock into five-year mortgages, five-year fixed mortgages based on math, logic, uh, or repeated personal experiences from which they've learned? Uh, no. In fact, one recent client wants to file a complaint about a lender's fixed rate penalty calculation while simultaneously signing property or mortgage commitment documents to lock themselves into another five-year fixed mortgage with a different lender. So, you know, people are anything but consistent. Mortgages, sure, they're portable. Why isn't this person porting it? Well, there's a long list of conditions and the new property may not meet. The new circumstances the client's in may not meet all of those conditions. So you may be forced to pay one mortgage out and take a new one. But you'd think people would learn, but no, not so much. Penalty, bang, penalty, bang, penalty, bang. Oh, may I have another, please? What's this behavior based on? It's based on fear. All right, prediction number two, banks will report record earnings again. Again, how can I say this? Well, I'll refer to prediction number one, everything I just outlined. When you're lending money out for an effective rate of 8.78% in this environment where the overnight lending rate is 0.25, that is a nice margin, baby. So I don't uh, push the stock market in any material way other than to say, look, if you're going to buy individual stocks, buy Canadian bank stocks. That's been a, a, a no-brainer move, a faultless move for decades. Prediction number three, what will the Bank of Canada do? The BOC, not to be confused with the AOC, who's much clearer in her language, the BOC will in fact do very little in 2022. They'll say a lot. There'll be a lot of talking. That's what I predict, but not so much action. And I'm going to offer two versions here. Version one uh, of my prediction around the Bank of Canada is a range of zero to two quarter point rate hikes in 2022. Uh, but I know, I know you want me to take a position. Uh, that's a term I like to use a lot. Take a position. Okay, my position uh, is this, a net zero increase. So maybe they go up a tick, but maybe they come right back down again. And how can I make such a prediction? Well, easily, given the long history of watching the unexpected occur, the unexpected, I should, we should say at this point, occur, uh, i.e. the February employment numbers. Anybody paying attention to those? How is this drop in employment unexpected given the shutdowns in December and January? Obviously, there were some, going to be some significant layoffs. The next unexpected occurrence is likely going to result from the very recent political decisions that it's endemic time. It's no more, no more pandemic time. Pandemic time is over. Now we're in endemic time. But those are politicians making those decisions. The medical community may not agree. The virus itself may not agree. And indeed, there may be some unexpected consequences of the rapid elimination of any and all restrictions a little more than 10 weeks after Omicron's debut. And yeah, what's the next letter in the Greek alphabet, right? Uh, we, will, we, will we learn it soon? Perhaps. Just eight more to go until the omega, 
I think there's like a there's something in that, right? The 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 omega. And hey, not to wear a topic out, but we have to ask the question: given the primary driver of interest rates upward is typically economic good news. Uh, which we seem to be in relatively short supply of, why Why are people self-inflicting the equivalent of four, five, or even six quarter point rate hikes on themselves instantaneously to whose benefit? We'll touch on that in a second because the media articles written by people who have no idea what they're actually talking about, citing sources that don't really see the bigger picture. Okay, when I say the bigger picture, I mean the smaller picture. I mean your personal picture, your client's personal picture. That talking head is freaking the public out as they prattle on about their sort of high score because that's who gets the airtime, whoever cites the high score. If somebody had said there'd be seven rate hikes this year, they would have got all the press attention. But I think it was a gentleman that predicted four this year and four next year. So eight hikes in two years. We'll see how that how that ages. But the reality is these individuals may well have a fancy job title and a number of letters after their name, and they may well be smart, absolutely, but they're looking at a macro picture with evidence in the moment. And the thing is, you're living your own life. You're one out of 40 million Canadians, right, living your own life. So each of us is a micro picture, and what we really need to make a decision is not fear-based macroeconomic theory. We need math that applies to our own personal picture. And as a broker, you should be supplying that math to your client. As a client, you should be asking for that math from your broker. And which media articles included any of this math? None that I've seen, and I do pay attention. So here's some math. If you are the typical Canadian, the typical Canadian holding a mortgage at this point, which by the way, only six in 10 homeowners has a mortgage. Four out of 10 Canadian homeowners have no mortgage. They're, they're clear title. But of the six out of 10, the average balance is about $400,000. And if you took your $400,000 1.2% variable and locked it into a 2.5% fixed, You've just inflicted the equivalent of five quarter point Bank of Canada rate hikes on yourself, and there's only seven meetings left this year. So you're, you're, you're theorizing that there's five hikes out of seven meetings coming in. That's, well, that's not where I stand. And the thing, again, to revisit is who benefits? Who benefits from people locking into their mortgages? 100% of that payments different, payment difference is pure interest, expense. It's pure profit to a lender. So on that $400,000 mortgage from 1.2 to 2.5, the payment goes from about $1,323 to $1,580. That's a $257 difference each and every month, $3,000 a year. You got four years left, that's $12,000 potentially that you're leaving on the table. That seems spendy to me. I'd take comfort in maybe instead investing that money into something like a GIC paying me a 3% return, which I saw a little sandwich board just the other day offering a GIC paying 3%. So that's maybe where I'd park that extra 257 bucks a month. That's what I'd be thinking about. Or I'd buy myself two hours of therapy every year to just like calm myself, or every month, pardon me, to just calm myself down. 24 hours of therapy per year to learn how to keep yourself calm in the flurry of media craziness. It's not a bad investment. The irony, the irony is that several borrowers were actually with lenders that had static payment 
variable rate mortgages. So they didn't even have any payment shock risk. Their payment wasn't going anywhere. And again, like if you're in a variable rate mortgage or an adjustable rate mortgage, do you understand the difference between an ARM and a VRM to use acronyms, which we shouldn't use? Has your broker explained that? If you're a broker, do you understand the difference between a VRM and an ARM, right? A variable rate mortgage versus an adjustable rate mortgage. And are you articulating it clearly? Anyway, guess what did move when someone locked in? Guess what really moved? The penalty, that's right. $400,000 variable rate mortgage. Right now, the penalty is three months interest with 99% of variable rate lenders. That's a $1,200 penalty, $1,200. Locking in with lender A will take that penalty from 1,200 to 4,000. With lender B from 4,000 to 18,000. With lender C, it'll take it from $1,200 to as high as $28,000. Actually, the all-time record I've seen lately, $44,000 penalty on a $400,000 mortgage, 11% of the balance. And each of those numbers I just rattled off, 4,000, 18,000, 28,000, 44,000, they all represent actual penalties paid by clients breaking their mortgages early that never thought they were gonna break the mortgages early, which is something six out of 10 Canadians do because lenders all have their own unique way of calculating prepayment penalties, which somehow the government allows. And few of these are ever explained or articulated clearly. There's very rarely any actual dollarized amount for a penalty explained, especially in a five-year fixed product. <clears throat> That's another fight for another day. The biggest red flag around penalties that you could watch for interacting with the lender is when the lender says to you, well, we can't really project what the penalty is going to be. Really? They literally have hundreds of penalty payouts per day, every day, which are consistently around four and a half percent of the balance with the majority of mainstream lenders. Now others, it's, it's as low as 1% of the balance. And then again, there's those that are it's as high as 11%. So you, you got to ask these questions before you lock in to avoid a quarter point payment increase. Quarter point on $400,000 is about a $50 a month difference in the payment, 600 bucks a year. Whereas your penalty could be going from 1,200 to 28,000. Like, you know, math, math, math. Okay, enough of that topic. Prediction number four, by the end of 2022, the remaining Canadian chartered banks still outside of the broker space. They're gonna be in the process of entering the broker channel if they're not already in it by the end of this year. Now, I may be a little early on this one, but as far as mortgage origination, it's my humble opinion that branches are finished. The stats 2016, branch origination, around 40% of mortgages originated at a bank branch, or about $150 billion worth of volume out of a $400 billion market back in 2016. Fast forward five years, 2021, branch origination is at 15% about $90 billion of a $600 billion market. The market grew by 50% from 400 to 600, but branch origination fell from 150 to 90 billion in real dollars from 40% of the pie to 15, 15% of the pie. That's unacceptable. I mean, branches are out. During the same time frame, broker market share went from 100 billion to almost 200 billion, from 25% to 33% of an ever increasing market. 2016, branches were 50% of a bank's volume for origination. By 2020, 15%. Yeah, yeah, they were shut down for half of 2020, but in 2021, they were open all year long and still clocked in at 15%. So 
Branches aren't coming back, not without massive reinvention. Massive. Think Starbucks meets Zara meets a cool record shop meets banking. Uh, like, you know, maybe you and I can visualize this somehow like a hip, fun, cool banking experience, like a, a vibe cafe to transfer money around and get a bank draft or whatever. Uh, but can the banks, can they visualize that? These guys took 20 years to accept e-signing. I don't think we're going to see anything revolutionary happening there, but hey, you never know. Prediction number five, nice, short and simple one. 2022 broker share, 40%. 2023, we're going to jump to 50%. Prediction number six, individual real estate investors hanging by a thread when it comes to mortgage qualification are finally hung all the way out to dry. The current view of these investors is you know, increasingly, it's always been a little bit like this, but it's increasingly that they're the villain. You know, Mom and pop are the villain. They buy a condo, they rent it out to an individual who's unable to buy for a wide variety of reasons beyond just price. There are many, many reasons people choose to rent rather than buy beyond just price. And the government thinks that the landlord is part of the housing problem because that landlord is taking up valuable supply for potential owner-occupied buyers. And that tenant of yours, they're not a buyer, they need to move, get out the way, right? And make room for these new owner-occupied buyers, but like where to for the tenant? I mean, if there is a piece of housing being provided to the market and it is being consumed. I mean, I, most of us live in markets with less than 1% vacancy rates, right? So, Where's that tenant going? Well, that's more complex and is apparently going to be dealt with in other ways. Um, for instance, the $8 million sent by the federal government to the province of British Columbia of a $16.6 billion fund. Thanks for that half a percent of the housing fund, uh, Ottawa. We, we, we appreciate it out here in the West. So the solution to eliminating these evil mom and pop investors who are providing housing for people um, Increase the minimum down payment. Once upon a time, 12, 13 years ago, it was 0% down. You could take an insured mortgage on an investment property. And then it increased incrementally, shot up to 20%, though, pretty in, in pretty short order. So we, now we've coasted along for the last 10 years or so with a 20% down payment to purchase an investment property. It, it pushed investment property ownership, you know, out of, out of reach of a lot of people and put it in, you got to be upper middle class, you know, to afford that extra 20%. You have to have bought your owner occupied early enough that you've maybe seen some gains. You've been able to sock away some money and uh, you, you managed to scrape together a 20% down payment on a second property, which was a good investment. But now what are we going to see? Likely by, I'm going to say Canada Day. Let's mark it as Canada Day. By Canada Day, you're going to see that 20% minimum down payment pop to 35%. That is my prediction. And what impact will that have? Uh, pretty much the same impact as all of the demand side economic controls have had, the same as the foreign buyer tax had, for instance. None. None. Foreign buyer tax was introduced in 2016 in Vancouver in a market that was already cooling. Like you can see the chart. Prices were cooling. Activity was cooling. Then they brought a foreign buyer tax in anyway. And oh, surprise, surprise, it kept cooling. And then about six months later, Whoosh, off it went again on another five-year, almost six-year now, uh, epic tear. So what will this do? 
this increase in minimum down payment. It's going to serve to increase the wealth gap in Canada as real estate becomes even more firmly entrenched as a thing for the wealthy only. This will increase social tension. And in continuing irony, it will actually increase prices. It actually will. It will not lower home prices. It will not increase supply because the evicted tenant still needs to live somewhere. And, and how this makes any sense, I don't understand. And somewhere, part, you know, somewhere, part of the supply, pardon me, and, somewhere, and, and the, the somewhere part, this, <laughs> lost my train of thought there. And the somewhere part, how do we address the somewhere part, the somewhere that tenant's going to live, the supply piece? That's the real issue, which, you know, we're hearing finally that drum being beaten after sort of the underground drum circles uh, saying supply, supply for a decade. It's actually out there in the public. So it's going to be all about supply to fix this problem. And today's census numbers that were just released really highlight the issue here. Canada's population grew by 2 million people in the last five years. 2 million. That is an all-time record. It's the most rapid, significant growth spurt in our history ever. And guess what's going to happen in the next five years? Well, there's my last prediction of the day. Prediction number seven. By 2026, Canada's population will have grown by 4 million. So we thought 2 million was a big growth spurt. We thought that was putting a lot of pressure on the supply of housing in our country right now. You just watch what unfolds over the next five years. Clearly, Canada is the place to be. Not a lot of debate about that. And so where will that leave us five years from now with home prices even higher than they are today, which is even difficult for someone like myself who's immersed in this business to wrap their brain around. Uh, you know, home prices, the rate they've gone up, the amount they've gone up, it is mind boggling. So maybe some of this happens, maybe none of this happens at all. But here's the thing about predictions. They're just part of the planning process, right? And planning is priceless. Plans themselves, kind of useless, but planning is priceless. So keep on planning, keep on predicting, keep on thinking, keep on chatting. Have a wonderful day. Cheers. Okay, that was way longer than I thought it was going to be. Damn it. All right. Well, what can I say? If I had more time, I'd have prepared a shorter spiel of predictions. At least I did a short version for you. If you hung in there, thank you. And uh, we'll be back Monday with the Mastermind session, Tuesday with an interview. I guess I better find somebody uh, somebody sharp to interview. I've got a few people in mind. I'll do that reach out now. All right, folks. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. And away we go. Oh, pardon me, uh, Christina, if you're still on. Does the 40% branch origination include the bank's mortgage sales force? To be clear, no. You know what? I should have I should have specified that. The MMS channel is alive and well. The mobile mortgage uh, sales force, they're not going anywhere. I was speaking specifically about clients who walk physically into a branch for a mortgage that that's over you know another another six to 12 months of, of any kind of restrictions and i know right now in the news it's like hey party time all the restrictions are going away in this province and that province etc um well we'll see how long that lasts it, it's it's hard to predict i don't think anybody has much tolerance for restrictions anymore but if we had even another three month four month bit of restrictions. It's just that many more people whose mortgages come up for renewal, who have a purchase to make that don't go into the branch. And after two full years, consumer behavior has fully pivoted. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before. How many things 
are you now buying remotely, right? Just about everything. I mean, I recently moved into a, a new home and uh, I got to order a whole bunch of things. I need a whole bunch of things, you know, from a garden hose to a, a, a broom and a dustpan and all these different things. And I just, I, th- I think of it later at night than in the evening. Do I make a list? Uh, yes, absolutely. Do I take that list and drive down to Home Depot or the Walmart or wherever? No, no, I take the list. And uh, when I'm eating my dinner in the evening, I sit down, I go on Amazon and I order all these things. And sometimes it shows up the very next morning. Like I, I needed a garden hose, got to wash the dirt bike off. Garden hose showed up literally the next morning by 9 a.m. I think I ordered it at like 10 p.m. So inside 12 hours, it's here. So everything has changed. And people are purchasing cars via Zoom. People, of course, are purchasing real estate through Zoom. So I don't see this changing. I don't see the desire to go back to the bank uh, coming coming back into anybody's life. All right, guys, I'm not going to take up any more of your time. At least we kept this one inside a half an hour. Have a fantastic week. Happy hump day. Cheers.